Yeah, News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. That's the station, Right Side Radio. That's the show. Phil Williams, I'm the host. Glad you are with us, where we like to say that we are solid conservative and just plain right. Hey, I'm flipping back and forth between state and federal, state and federal, state and federal. Um, so I've been telling you about Afghanistan. In fact, if you remember, and I'm going to try and get him on again, but it's a few weeks ago, I actually had uh, my interpreter from Afghanistan on the air with me. And uh, he and I both met after spending a year with me living among the Afghan people uh, in a place called Kunduz uh, in northern Afghanistan. And um, I, I, I made the statement the other day on the radio that I was chagrined to see, not chagrined, like sad, disappointed to see that the place that I, um, you know, spent a year of my life uh, uh, working to stabilize and, um, and, you know, sweat and toil over and... Uh, you know, go on raids and patrols and everything else all around. Kunduz, Afghanistan, appeared to have fallen to the Taliban. 20 years later. So I was there for all of 2002, so we're 19 years later. I was there, literally, uh, the war kicked off in what I think November, October, November of 2001. By January, I was en route and uh, spent all of the year boots on the ground in Kunduz, just living among the Afghan people. And uh, today it got worse. So there was, a, um, there was an Afghan National Army uh, base at the old Soviet airstrip where we used to get our resupplies. Um, just outside of Kunduz, it was a base that was apparently housing an entire Afghan Army Corps. And the headline today, hundreds of Afghan forces surrendered in Kunduz as Taliban consolidates its hold on the country's north. I'm not kidding, y'all. Uh, after spending, I think it, one of the quotes that I saw was close to $90 billion over 20 years to um, train, equip, and, and, and mentor uh, the Afghan National Army. Uh, they are capitulating at a rapid rate. Now, I will say this. Uh, yeah, we spent a lot of blood and treasure over there uh, to get this Afghan National Army to a place where they should be able to defend on their own. You cannot be cavalier and just say, well, they've got what it takes to do it. Apparently, they don't have what it takes to do it in many ways because right now, Literally, the uh, Afghan government only controls about a third of its country now. The Taliban have swept through and wiped things out. Now, let me explain some of the background on this. And this is not, by the way, any kind of an excuse, because the Afghan people have got to get it together. If you don't want the Taliban in charge, you're going to have to say, we don't want the Taliban in charge. But there are um, any number of tribal, social, and cultural issues that are going to be extremely hard for anyone to overcome. Uh, not the least of which is the fact, too, that a Taliban uh, force can just as easily find out who is on that guard force, and they are not governed by the same rules that the rest of the civilized world is governed by. And they will go to the village where that person came from, take their family, hold them hostage unless they agree to surrender. And that's what's happening. That is what's happening right now. Uh, my friend Hamid, who was on the show with us, and we'll try to get him back on, uh, he, he has family still in both Kunduz and in Kabul, the capital, and reports are out right now that Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan, could technically fall uh, in the next few weeks. And I will say this, it, it galls me right now, and, and, and just understand me when I say this first, I'll, I'll caveat all my statements first by saying, I understand the war has to end. It is time. We have to end we have to end the war in Afghanistan. But how you end it is just as important as how you start it, all right? How you end it is just as important as how you start it. For Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, to say there were no military uh, 
how did he word it? There were, there were no military gains, no military accomplishments here. Well, that, I'd throw down the BS card on that because that is not absolutely true. Not at all. Huge amounts of gains. The military did its gig, all right? The politicians are losing this war. In fact, if nothing else, I would say the military won the war. Mr. Biden is losing the peace. That's what's happening. And next headline I'm looking at right now, uh, Taliban lightning Afghanistan advance could win them billions of dollars in U.S.-made weapons. It's happening. So that core that surrendered in Kunduz, the article also goes on to say they gave up all their weapons, Humvees and other, um, uh, you know, equipments that we had provided to them uh, over time. Just gave it away. I saw one picture of a, um, a Taliban fighter. Yeah, obviously, they don't wear uniforms. They wear traditional Afghan garb. And this Taliban fighter was walking around carrying a U.S.-made M16 rifle. Really? No longer carrying the uh, AK-47. Uh, no Kalashnikovs for him. He was carrying a U.S.-made uh, M16. There you go. So right now, according to the Washington Post, President Joe Biden's administration is preparing for the government in Kabul to fall within 90 days, according to the article I'm looking at. And the NATO departure is going to be effective as of August 31st. And the U.S. Embassy in Kabul said Saturday that Americans should leave the country. This is the place we just spent 20 years fighting for, all right? This is the place where many U.S. soldiers of all branches, service members from all branches, went and spent time there, and many gave up parts of their bodies and even their lives. And we're just going to go, dang, how about that? Okay, everybody get out. What, what kind of policy is that? Where's, your, where's, your, where's at least your national pride, Mr. President? I mean, right now, the beleaguered Army Air, For Afghan, uh, uh, Air Force and its 307,000 personnel require another 5 to $6 billion in funding, they say. Well, no, they've got stuff. The Taliban are using American rifles, it says right here, to gun down Afghan National Army soldiers. Yes, that's true. And explosive-laden Humvees to bomb their checkpoints. Yes, that's true. And it, it's amazing to watch this unfold just right before our eyes with lightning speed, all right, which means that the Afghan Air Force and the Afghan National Army never had what it took without having some support from U.S. forces helping to guide them along and to call in airstrikes. We, we right now are looking at the fact that um, the Pentagon purchased uh, a series of, uh, of, of planes they call Super Tucanos. They couldn't, we didn't give them F-16s. That was beyond what they could maintain. Super Tucanos are prop-driven air, airplanes, uh, and, and they're built uh, in Florida at the Jackson International Airport uh, from, by Embraer. And, and, and they've arrived in Afghanistan and conducted hundreds of sorties, but uh, to no effect, apparently. And, and it's amazing to me to watch this happen. So on top of that, you've got John Bolton. Now, John Bolton is a hawk. I get it. He's far more hawkish. He's more hawkish even than I am, and I, I consider myself to be fairly hawkish. But John Bolton is saying right now that the security of all Americans is at stake by the way that Biden has conducted this withdrawal. Now, President Trump, I will go ahead and admit, President Trump was moving towards a full withdrawal. A moving towards a full withdrawal is fine. I get that. We have to leave. But right now, what we're looking at is just in like, <laughs> just literally in, in like three days, the Taliban seized three, seized three provincial capitals. Finally, has escalated all across the nation. And we've gone from uh, saying, we're here for you, 
to saying, good luck to you, and, and we're gone. There is no reason why we could not have had an enduring base. There's no reason why we could not have maintained a forward presence. We didn't have to be involved in all combat operations. But right now, if we do not insert some special operations forces into the, into the, the fray here, who can effectively call in those Spectre gunships and, and close air support, then the Taliban will have the country back. And 20 years will have been for nothing. Nothing. 20 years will have been for nothing. And so all of you who are in the uh, sound of my voice right now, who served there, um, or who had family members that served there, and there's a lot of you, in the, in just in this listening audience, there's a lot of you who, who, who fit into that category. What you're looking at here is the 20 years we spent there was for nothing because we're going to give it all back. All the Taliban had to do was wait us out. And I used to say that's what got, that's what got the Russians, all right? When the Russians invaded in 1979, I believe it was, all the um, Northern Alliance had to do, all the Taliban resistance had to do was just wait them out, wait them out. Now, there were things that we supplied them with. There were, there were you know, tide turners, so to speak, in the, in the fight. There was a loss of will back home. But in the end, what it boiled down to was that Afghan resistance to the Russian invasion just simply had to wait them out. And, um, wow, apparently that still holds true even today. All right, y'all, we're going to take a short break here, come back, talk about a little more news. I'm going to start filling you in on some things that you might want to know about critical race theory because we got a great conversation coming up at the top of the hour with Margaret Clark, who is the general counsel for the Eagle Forum, another conservative organization that collaborates sometimes with the Alabama Policy Institute. They've been tracking really hard on what's about to happen in our state school board, your state school board, right here in Alabama. We'll cover down on that a little bit and talk to her at the top of the hour. And then i got a few of the news stories, some of which are just flat-out interesting, and I'll bring them up to you. Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here, the host, solid conservative, just playing right. We'll be right back. News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN, right here on Right Side Radio. Phil Williams, your host. Glad you're with us, 2 to 5 every day, Monday through Friday, I'm talking about. And uh, and listen, the mantra, as always, solid, conservative, and just plain right. And what that means for you folks out there that listen all the time, you know, we, we've, we've called you Right Side Ruffians. You're a bunch of folks out there willing to say, not on my watch. You are the ones who are solid, conservative, and just plain right, because this is your show. So uh, glad you're with us. Uh, glad you stayed on. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a brief here just to tell you real quickly about my friends uh, over at uh, ZLA Solutions. ZLA Solutions is an amazing group of folks. I know them personally. I do know them personally. I've done a lot of work with them. And ZLA Solutions specializes in putting people back to work. So if you are looking for a job, go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. If you're an employer looking to hire people and having trouble filling out the ranks of your workforce, like a lot of people are, Check them out at ZLAUSA.com. They are putting people to work all over Alabama, squared away at how they do it. And listen, they like to say at ZLA, uh, we don't make it, we just make it better. ZLA Solutions, find them at ZLAUSA.com. So a couple of interesting tidbits in the news. Hey, Copper, got a question. Yes. When you were in school, 
did you have to learn how to read and do math? <laughs> Why, yes, I did. Just asking for a friend, you know. Just want to know. Huh. So which which one are they dropping? The reading or the math? How about the reading and the math and the writing? Oh, I already knew they were dropping the writing. The year after I took the SAT, they announced that they were making the writing portion optional. Well, so I'm talking about specifically uh, the state of Oregon. Oh. Have you oh. heard the story? No, I haven't. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, Governor Kate Brown, one of the most liberal governors in the state, or excuse me, in the nation, uh, signed a bill last month, like no fanfare, didn't have a public bill signing, because you know this is how the politicians do it. They want to they stand there with the governor while the special bill is signed. I, I did it several times. It's kind of cool. You get a pen, you know, from the signing. Uh, ain't, oh, ain't nobody talking. In fact, Governor Brown's office didn't even immediately respond. In fact, she signed it apparently on July 14th, but it didn't even hit the system until July 29th for the public to be aware. Okay, red flags flying. Here's what the bill does. The bill literally suspends math, reading proficiency, and writing skills uh, for high school students to be able to prove their proficiency before they graduate. And, 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 and the, the, the way they justify this is, is just the most god-awful thing I've ever seen. As supporters of the bill literally say that considering math and reading essential skills has been an unfair challenge for students who don't test well. All right, so Copper, what was your what was your worst subject in in high school? Probably math. Oh yeah, easily mine. Easily mine. That's why I'm not a, not an accountant today. Phil does not have any degree in accounting because you don't want him doing your numbers. <laughs> um, but they say that literally, it's an unfair challenge for students who don't test well. Now Republicans came out against the bill in Oregon. I think they're outnumbered, obviously. Um, but here's what. Here's what the governor's office did apparently say, that the new standards for graduation with the absence of the you know, math, reading, and writing requirements is literally there to help benefit the state's black, Latino, Latinx, whatever that means, indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islander, tribal, and students of color. So I guess what they're saying by this is only the white kids can read and do math, but what they're saying here by their policy, by their, st their statement is, it's too hard for black and Latino kids to do math, so we're not going to make them. Are you hearing this? I mean... That's degrading. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It, it is absolutely an insult to, uh, to anybody who falls into those multiple categories that they want to break our society down into. By the way, what is Latinx? They list black, Latino, and Latinx. Do you know what that means, Copper? I have no idea what that means. I thought it was their version of a blend, because we don't want to say each individual country in Latin America, but we don't want to just say South America and Central America. So, Latinx? Whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I, get I, it. I, I feel another adventure in woke world coming on here. The <laughs> script is forming in my mind, even if I read this in furious fashion. But so, all said and, and done here, folks, Oregon has a bill now signed by the governor. It's the law of the state. And in one editorial in the Oregonian, I believe it was, uh, says that Oregon schools were among the last in the country to reopen to in-person instruction, and our legislators should be focused on how to help students regain the ground they've lost, not lowering our standards. So they literally just said, it's just too hard for minority kids to have to do math and to read. Have they met Dr. Ben Carson? 
Have they met Chief Justice or, 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 or Justice uh, Clarence Thomas? Have they, have they met Condoleezza Rice? Have they met any of the amazing individuals, no matter what their political persuasion, who are highly educated and well-informed and fully capable, and the very idea that they're going to say they're not going to require math, reading, and writing skills to be at a proficient level when they graduate because that's what will be needed to help benefit black, Latino, Latinx, indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islander, tribal, and students of color. That is the biggest bunch of liberal gobbledygook I've ever seen, and it's the law of the land now in Oregon. Wow. All right, listen. Um, so coming up at the beginning of the next hour, I've got a friend uh, of the show coming on, uh, Margaret Clark. She's an attorney, uh, general counsel for the Eagle Forum, which is a conservative organization that's all over the nation. She's with Eagle Forum of Alabama. And we're going to be talking about the fact that our state school board is going to be considering a resolution. Uh, I believe tomorrow. Yes. What's tomorrow? Thursday? Yes, tomorrow. So tomorrow, uh, a copy of the um, the agenda was sent to me, and I believe item O, I think, was, was included that it would be a resolution that we believed was going to wind up being pretty much the same resolution that Eagle Forum and the Alabama Policy Institute, where I do work, had collaboratively uh, sent to uh, the governor's office and to members of the state school board. Now, we're hearing that something very similar to it, but slightly different, is going to be considered. Either way, they need to do this because what it does is it bans the implementation of critical race theory and curriculums for K-12 throughout the state. That needs to happen. Now, I know that one member of the state school board is listening to the show even right now for what I see from the text messages, and so I am, I am hopeful that we're going to wind up seeing the state school board Take this matter up, pass this resolution, and we'll talk to Margaret Clark from the Eagle Forum when she comes on the show after the top of the hour. Phil Williams here. News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. You can also listen live online no matter where you are just by simply going to rightsideradio.org and clicking listen live. We'll be right back after the top of the hour. Thanks.